0: This weekend, the StarCityGames.com Open Series hits Atlanta, Georgia, and this event is going to be huge. We're talking hundreds of players, over $14,000 in cash prizes, at least 18 players qualified for their choice of the StarCityGames.com Invitationals, live coverage courtesy of SCG Live, tons of side events, and as much magic the gathering as we can pack into one weekend. So make plans to join StarCityGames.com in Atlanta, and we'll see you there. Hey everybody, and welcome to the uh, first episode of Unsleeved, um, formerly Yo MTG Taps. This would have been Yo MTG Taps episode sixty, but um, we uh, we had to. We, uh, for uh, I mean, unfortunately, we had to change we we had to change that name, unfortunately, just due to uh, legal reasons. But uh, anyway, uh, from now on, we are Unsleeved. Uh, we're going to start the numbering over. So this is episode one. I'm Joey Pasco. Hey, I'm
1: Big Head Joe. You know that you've uh, actually made it when...
0: Right? Yeah, let's not talk about that. Uh, I mean, I'm not sorry. Supposed to, music. Uh, so uh, we've got a ton of exciting topics today. Um, some news, a bunch of tournaments to talk about. A uh, topic I brought up on Twitter, um, we're going to talk a little bit about Extended. Uh, we got Standard, Legacy, Extended, News, all kinds of stuff. So let's get right into it. This past weekend, we had GP Barcelona, which was Standard in a kind of shocking turn of events, a blue-black control deck won the event uh, in the hands of Martin Scheinen. Uh, there was notably also a second blue-black control deck in the uh, in the top eight, piloted by Guillaume Wafotapa. Um, there were also two Valakit lists, two Rug lists, and then two Esper Callblade lists, one of which ran Hero of Bladehold, and one of which uh, was running Tezzeret. So some really interesting uh, kind of metagame choices there over in Spain, because... Go ahead, what were you going to say?
1: Can I just mention that the winning deck had one copy of Liliana Vess in it?
0: And uh, Wafo Tapas had two copies. Really? Yeah, so I don't know. Yeah, I mean, somebody said, is, uh, you know, is the metagame over in Europe, are they, like, just not, uh, you know, are they just innovating more? Like, trying to break the kind of stalemate of Callblade decks, or are they just not catching up? Like, are they behind, or are they ahead? You know, it's just such a strange... Thing the fact that uh, you know the decks that did well here. I mean, obviously, Valakit, Valakit, Rug, Rug. They're they're doing well over here too. But I mean, Callblade is dominating tournaments over here. And uh, you know, speaking of which, we had the Star City Games Open Series in L.A. this past weekend. Um, Ricky zao I don't know if it's Zhu or Zhou.
1: I think and, it's Ricky Zhu. Okay. We were, we were calling him Zhu. Uh, yeah,
0: I remember you were calling him him Zhu in uh, in Dallas, Fort Worth. But uh, yeah, Ricky won with um, blue white Callblade, uh playing against Jerry Thompson, the end boss of the Star City Games Open
1: Series.
0: (laughs) Um, The cool thing about this uh, top eight was, well, actually this tournament in general, Jerry and Brian Kibler were both in the top eight. Kibler was playing his Blue Black Infect deck, which I forgot to mention last week, but uh, he's been talking about it. We talked about it a little bit in Memphis um, when we were on SCG Live, and he debuted it in his articles that week. Um, and he played it this past week in, uh, Los Angeles, and it looks like a really fun deck to play, although he says it's pretty complicated, um, and you need to practice with it, but, uh, Noyan from, uh, you know, Spreading Cheese, who, who writes for I Want My MTG, he, um, he's been pushing an Infect deck, actually. Strangely, he had been talking about it a little bit just before Kibler, um, a very similar deck, um... So th- that was pretty cool. Um, Patrick Chapin was about to play for top eight. Uh, he was paired up against Jerry Thompson, and he was playing the exact 76, yes, 76 <laughs> cards as Jerry uh, in the event, and he got the deck from Jerry, so he knew it, it meant more to Jerry, so he scooped Jerry in. Um, so, you know, that was uh, that was pretty cool of him. You know, he no- knows Jerry's trying to get, get level eight. Chapin is just kind of playing, you know, to... To do well, obviously. Um, sure. But, uh, you know, when he got paired up against Jerry uh, in the final round of the Swiss, scooped him in, which is uh, pretty awesome. So uh, in the top eight of that event was four Callblade decks, one Esper Callblade, so I guess you could say it was five Callblade, uh, the blue-black Infect that Kibler was rocking, uh, Valakit, and Tezzeret Forgemaster. So uh, there's that Forge Master deck showing up the, uh, that Martin Yuza designed for paris that uh, oh cool so so it's cool that that's still showing up yeah definitely. um one thing that was interesting in the uh in the finals when jerry was playing against uh ricky in the finals he had some mana issues There were he was trying to hit double white at one point and couldn't get it then at one point he had a uh, creeping tar pit but he couldn't he didn't have an extra black to activate it there, mm, there was yep. a jace on the table he was uh he was having some mana issues, so as they were saying, I think uh, Adrian and JVL were saying, you know, it's not free to add a third color, and that's... I Again, that's the same feeling I've had this whole time, where I'm kind of like, I love... I would love to play Inquisition of Kozalek in my blue-white deck, but I don't want to... I don't feel like it's uh, it's worth stretching the mana base. Um, I guess you got to play the odds there. you got to figure, am I going to get mana screwed more... Then this is going to help me. You know what I mean? Like, then having something like Inquisition is going to help me in the deck. So it's a. I guess you just have to decide, and I, you know, I'm always a uh, person who uh, favors consistency over the power. Yeah. So. interesting quote from Patrick Chapin. This is from his article this past week. He says, there's a decent chance that Callblade will actually get better from the new set. And of course, that's just just judging from the fact that we know that there is a red-white sword called Sword of War and Peace, by the way, uh, that that's going to be in the set. We we know that that's quite likely. Um, If that is the case, and Stoneforge still be killing them after the new set, I think it's not out of the question that it might be banned in June. So,
1: Stoneforge Mystic. Yeah, I actually was just thinking this morning that uh, I don't even expect to see it make it to, uh, to the rotation. Yeah, to rotate or not to rotation. Uh, yeah, well, yeah, to, for the set to come in. Yeah, for yeah, new I mean, Phyrexia.
0: It, it, oh, to new Phyrexia.
1: Yeah, I don't think it even makes the new Phyrexia. I think wow. the next now. I think they ban it with the next announcement.
0: When is the next announcement? Do you know? Um. I feel like they just I, made an announcement. They made an
1: announcement in March. Right. So another one in April.
0: I I thought they make announcements every three months, not every month. Every three months? Yeah, that's okay. why I was thinking then, it may not be until June.
1: Sure. Well, whenever the next announcement is, is, yeah, as soon as they can, I think they will.
0: Right. That's It's interesting, and, and even Chapin said something about it. I think he said this on Twitter, that it's actually putting up numbers more – consistent than Survival of the Fittest was, which is pretty crazy. Um, now, we've had a lot less tournaments to go on, and the fact that GP Barcelona just happened and showed that other decks can still creep in may, may you know, have Wizards kind of uh, hesitating to pull that trigger. But, <clears throat> you know, I, I guess it's it's interesting to consider, and the fact that Chapin says something, like, he's never one to, to pull the... Uh, You know, the ban hammer kind of Mm -hmm. out of the, uh, to pull that out of the old, you know, toolbox. So he, uh, I think it's very interesting to hear him say that. So for Legacy, uh, Alexander Kwan won with uh, Painter Grindstone deck. Uh, In the top eight was Patrick Sullivan, again, piloting Burn, although I have a hunch that the deck was quite different than the deck he played in (laughs) Standard. There was a uh, Tendril Storm combo deck, a Belcher deck, a breakfast, Cephalid Breakfast combo deck, a Merfolk deck, a Dredge deck, another combo deck, uh, and an Elves deck. So, like, a lot of combo there. And they've been saying, um, and I think you and I were talking about this in Memphis on SCG Live, about how... Uh, uh, it was Drew Levin and uh, and Michael Flores talking about how the metagame seems sto- seems soft to combo decks. And here uh, here's a top eight that shows um, it is.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: um, also notably this weekend, kind of uh, big news. A lot of a lot of uh, chatter on Twitter about Michael Posge being suspended for six months um, for bribery, I believe, at Star City Indy. Um, which oh, happened?
1: Indy, okay.
0: Yeah, that that happened in uh, the same weekend as Pro Tour Paris, early February. But the uh, the the suspension is as of March 23rd, which was last Wednesday, and he still entered and played in the Star City events. So I don't know, you know, the repercussions of that for Pogge because I feel like he had to have known, you know that that seems a yeah, little bit. Yeah, you think so. Um, uh. Uh, a lot of people were saying, you know, is this – does that make these events unsanctioned? Because this guy played in these events and he shouldn't have. But uh, I talked to Evan and uh, the events are, of course, still sanctioned. He said this kind of thing happens all the time, just not to players as uh, notable as Pazge. So anybody who played in that event and is wondering, um, you're safe. So, yeah. So, you know, that, that's the events of the weekend. Uh, we did also have uh, some news announced yesterday evening. Of course, uh, I guess it would be earlier this week for everybody listening. Um, we found out the name of action.
1: Yeah, the name of action is New Phyrexia. It's going to be pretty awesome.
0: Yeah, uh, I mean, both of us have probably you know have been kind of assuming that that was what it was going to be, and I think we were certainly not alone. I feel like everybody was kind of. Uh, feeling like new Phyrexia was where it was going to go. And uh, I'm excited because this is great. A classic villain, I mean, the classic villain when you think about it, uh, for, you know, Magic's history has been yeah. Phyrexia. I mean, Urza was fighting the Phyrexians. So that's really exciting. Now we actually have a little bit more excitement. Now, Joe, did you actually happen to listen to last week's episode?
1: No, I did not. Okay. I, I didn't get a chance to yet. Um,
0: I, I did Guess you knew uh, Scotty Mack and Jay Bush from the A Team were uh, were the guest hosts with me, um, yeah. and we were talking about how that's
1: appropriate too. For the last, finally we get people for uh, you know from the A Team on the last episode of YoMTG Taps, mm-hmm. you know.
0: Yeah, I guess you could call it the last episode of Yo! MTG Taps, just the last episode titled YoMTG Taps. So, well, yeah, uh, yeah. Anyway, um,
1: I feel like we have a chance to start on a new thing here, you know. Yeah, we're- that's fair enough. Fair enough.
0: I get you. New numbering here. So anyway, um. But what we were talking about, if you notice, the title of the episode was All Talk, No Action, um, because it was like, hey, here's a whole bunch of talk, and they're not telling us what action is, you know, what this set actually is. And uh, So, you know, we talked a bit about that, and the fact that all our hype and all our excitement was for M12, which, because we had that new wallpaper of the week with uh, with the planeswalkers on it, so that's getting us excited for M12. And then we had the... uh, you know the announcement for Innistrad, which has us excited. So we're like, hmm, I'm not really excited about Action, because right. I'm excited about this other stuff coming down the road. But there's nothing to get excited about. So, despite that, the uh, the announcement for New Phyrexia is kind of getting people a little bit more excited for this set. Now it it feels like it's coming out late. I mean, it, it don't wasn't the uh, Rise of the Eldrazi pre-release like near the end of April. I feel like it was, like, April 25th or something last year.
1: You know, I can look that up real quick. Um, Rise of the Eldrazi uh, launch party was April 23rd.
0: Wow, so the pre-release was a week before April 17th. Wow, see, so that's, like, that seems so nuts, because the pre-release for for New Phyrexia is May 8th, or that weekend, anyway. Um, So, you know, it feels like it's, you know... Kind of – it's not just like a week later. It's like three weeks later. Yeah, it's May the 7th, I think, is the pre-release. And yeah. it's released on the 14th. Um, you know, I was saying to you well, through email that we are doing the uh, SCG Live commentary for Star City Orlando, which is that same weekend, the weekend of the release. Yeah. So the set is legal on the 13th, so we'll actually be able to see some of the new cards in action literally in action, um, or, or in New Phyrexia, uh, in action. That's awkward. Um, so, <laughs> yeah, exactly. So anyway, that, that'll be exciting. Um, but it does feel like it's so late, but, uh, I guess we'll, we'll see what happens and hopefully they'll start spoiling more, um, more cards or, or spoiling some cards. Now, actually let's mention the, uh, the one card they did spoil, we, we did mention a couple minutes ago about the uh, about the Sword of War and Peace being spoiled as the name of the sword. There's been a lot of uh, comments about the name of the sword being War and Peace. <laughs> like, shouldn't it have an entire wall of rules text? Or uh, uh, maybe it has something to do with writing a book report or something like that. So, um, <laughs> But that's all we know about that sword is that it's going to, most likely i mean i I feel like I shouldn't say a hundred percent sure, but I mean pretty much that it's protection from red and white because those are the only ones we're missing um, but uh we actually have Elish norn grand Cenobite. do you want to uh, spoil the card, Joe? do you have it in front of you
1: sure uh so yeah, turn off the episode if you don't want to know the name of the or what the card does Good call two white and five it's a four seven Legendary creature, predator, just pretty awesome. Uh, it has vigilance. Other creatures you control get plus two, plus two. Creatures your opponents control get minus two, minus two.
0: Yeah. So we were saying earlier about it's like it neuters the titans, uh, giving making them four fours, and also being able to block and kill them. Right. Um, attack and kill them, too, if they decide they want to block. but
1: uh, Attack anyway, right into them without fear.
0: Yeah, that's true. Uh, Attack and be back to block, exactly, because it does have vigilance. And the artwork in it is really sick artwork, and uh, by Igor Kieriluk. Kieriluk. I'll, I'll try to Not butcher that name, but I'm sure I do.
1: Igor, if you listen to our show, let us know how to pronounce your last name. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) uh, (laughs) Sounds good. It's (laughs) Igor.
0: So, uh, oh, but the artwork is just really, you know, it's really good artwork. Although it looks like she's kind of uh, looking back to, like, Order something. I feel like she's kind of like. Oh, and can I get cinnamon on that?
1: Uh, <laughs> <laughs> or, or, or coming off of an elevator and going. Oh wait, I forgot
0: my. Yeah, exactly. Like that's what it looks like. Some sort of like afterthought. Like she's turning back. Like oh, ooh, one th- one more thing. So kind yeah. of kind of funny, but the uh, another cool thing is that the card is spoiled in Phyrexian, and you have to translate it. So uh, I think that looks. I, I hope uh, that they print cards like some sort of promo cards, maybe the pre-release cards are Phyrexian text. I think that would be so cool.
1: That would be great, yes.
0: Very, very cool-looking cards in Phyrexian. Uh, she is a mythic rare, uh, as you'd kind of expect. Um, and then there's a little video, and it actually mentions Karn in there. So uh,
1: Karn is coming.
0: <clears throat> yeah, so pretty exciting. I'm excited for Karn and seeing what... What impact he has on a set, or what his role in a set is.
1: Yeah, definitely. You know, you know what I'm looking uh, forward to, Innistrad. (laughs) (laughs) Me too, And, and for one reason, honestly, because design team: Mark Rosewater, Richard Garfield. Do I need to read any other names? I mean, there happen to be some awesome names following those two, but you know, like seriously.
0: Yeah, it's pretty awesome.
1: Dave Humphreys, Ken Nagel, on the development team, right? I mean, like, I don't know, man. Like, that just sounds like a hell of a team right there, right?
0: Yeah, the last set Richard Garfield was on was Ravnica. And everybody, you know, it seems like across the board, everybody loved Ravnica. So I'm super excited to hear or to see what Richard Garfield has added to this set, too. But I'm kind of, like, tempering my excitement because (laughs) it's so far away. Like, I know,
1: right?
0: You know, you know the other thing that tempers, not that
1: far away.
0: No, no. The other thing that tempers my excitement is that when that comes out, Jace will no longer be legal. So, I can, uh, I can always try to, you know, basically, I can play those emotions off of each other there. And I'm like, I'm super excited. I can't wait for Innistrad. Oh, but then you won't be able to play with Jason Standard. Oh, I can wait.
1: So I guess, like, the people who don't like Jace, like, this is, like, going to be one of the greatest moments of their lives.
0: Probably. You know, sounds sounds about right. Well, speaking of Jaces, I've heard from our uh, our resident financial guru, Jonathan Medina, has been talking about how Jaces have become more and more readily available. Like, people are trading away their Jaces now before they, they drop, I think, you know, or anticipating the drop. They're also trying to... Do that to get into the legacy. Um, I know specifically one person who is currently talking who did that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, yeah, I traded away two Jaces for two Underground Seas. And then uh, Jonathan brought it up on Crazy Talk uh, episode, I think, four. The, the thing would, that he was saying, though, was that Underground Seas, like if you look at the buy list prices, the buy list price on Jace has since dropped to 60. And the buy list price on Underground Seas has gone up to 80. Oh, wow. So, like, he was saying how he took a bath on that. But uh, I think he also, he, he did fail to mention that one of the Jaces was altered. So he did uh, he did have a bit more value in it that way. Uh, True. And also, I think he was trying to help me out. So he, Sure. So he's, uh, he's a good guy like that. He has helped me get so many cards. And also, I want to shout out to Lloyd and Mark real quick because those guys really helped me get a lot of legacy stuff as well likewise uh, yeah lloyd frias and mark frias they uh those guys are vintage players and as such had uh, a lot of contacts and uh basically managed to get a lot of vintage and legacy cards and that's how i managed to really uh get into legacy because of those guys so if you guys have been uh listening for a while you may remember lloyd he's been on a few of our episodes. He it was the uh Maryland state champion in two thousand nine. So right. um we had him on back in December, I believe, of two thousand nine, right after states that year. But uh anyway, shout outs and thanks to those guys and of course thanks to Jonathan Medina. So let's quickly talk a little bit about legacy. Yeah. Since we're talking since we're kind of on the on the subject. Um we got a message from Matthew Presnell asking us to do uh, to, to kind of address the legacy stereotypes and saying, you know, a lot of people feel like legacy is a format filled with turn one kills, maybe mixing it up with vintage. Um, and, uh, and that's definitely something that is, uh, I think a common misconception as, as we're learning. Cause you know, we, right. we have only been into legacy for the past few months and, you know, more and more heavily as, <laughs> as we've, uh, been watching and reading more and more about legacy, but you know I thought legacy was pretty much you know it 's vintage without the power of nine right so it's still got all those turn one kills, I guess, but that 's really not true. however, it is quite possible to have a turn one kill as uh, as coincidentally, I actually watched one on Moto uh, just last week, and I emailed Joe right after i I, yeah. uh, I saw it. I just thought it was so funny because I just I was on Moto and and I did I took the Legacy plunge on Moto as well yeah. as paper. I don't know how I did this. I guess it has something to do with my tax return. I guess I was kind of like good timing tax return, <laughs> so yeah. uh, it helped me get into Legacy and in paper and uh, and on Moto. Um, uh, I'll get into the Moto kind of thing in a minute. But the, one of the cooler things on Moto, if you don't play, is that you can watch matches. And so I was kind of like uh kind of eating breakfast or something and I was like, I want to see what's see if anybody's playing Legacy in like the tournament practice room or something. And so uh I watched a couple of matches and this was one of the games I saw. Player one goes turn one, Vault of Whispers, Signal Pest, Mox Opal, Frog So that's a pretty good uh pretty explosive or reasonably explosive turn one from an affinity yeah. deck, right? Half more than half a ten, four out of the seven cards. Uh on the table already. Player two goes Lotus Petal, Lion's Eye Diamond, Lion's Eye Diamond, Sack Lotus Petal for Dark Ritual, Thought Seize, and he takes a Thought Cast, Chrome Mox with no Imprint, Chrome Mox with no Imprint, Infernal Tutor, tutoring, uh, which was the last card in, uh, in his hand for Tendrils of Agony, and that was the win right there on, on his first turn. So obviously you need a really good hand to do that. Um, and this was, you know, obviously the perfect hand, but this was the only turn one kill I've seen in Legacy since I've been watching coverage and and covering it ourselves on SCG Live. Right. Um, just as proof that, that it's typically not a turn one kill kind of thing, uh, go watch some of the archives from, from uh, Star City Opens recently, the Legacy archives. Most of those matches go 40 minutes, just like standard matches. Right. You know, there's not a lot of them. Uh, ending you know in two minutes because turn you know somebody gotta turn one kill uh, yeah
1: here's here's the thing like you know the gold fishing, yeah, there are lots of opportunities to make a deck that doesn't turn one kill, you know, but like you're gonna have to interact with your opponent you know if you're if you're running if you know, someone's gonna have force of will someone's gonna have you know things to counter your plan, you know like. Right it's not always going to go that way. You don't always draw the stone nuts, you know, like,
0: yeah, there's a lot of interaction, a lot of disruption in legacy. I mean, like you said, force of will, um, there's days that people are commonly playing stifle him to Turok. uh, And then, and then you go to the discard spells where you have him to Turok and, and wasteland, you know, suddenly you don't have that land you need to get the, uh, you know, your, your combo off so quickly, but, It's, uh, you know, it's a really interesting format, really exciting. I love it. You're loving it, right? I mean... Yeah, man. Uh, and then, you know, the big thing, the barrier to entry is the prices. And that's understandable, but there are some cheap decks, and I think we mentioned it a couple episodes ago that, you know, Dredge isn't too expensive, um... Affinity isn't too expensive. Goblins isn't too expensive. I mean, these are on the cheaper end. Merfolk. Right. There's no duels in goblins or merfolk. I mean, depending on which version of goblins you're playing or merfolk, if, if you're right. if you're playing mono blue merfolk, it's just islands that you need, and you don't even need the fancy, you know, unhinged or unglued ones to play the deck. You could kind of just play regular islands right right out of your, uh, scars of Mirrodin boosters.
1: <laughs> I prefer um, I prefer Urza's Saga with the lightning.
0: Yeah. My point was that Legacy can be expensive, but the the benefit to it is that those cards don't rotate every fall. You know? Right. There is no rotation for Legacy, and that's, uh, that means basically you get a lot more mileage out of your cards. It's kind of a quality versus quantity thing. Like, yeah, you yeah. can buy a lot more standard cards with your money so that you get the quantity. But they, uh, they wear out a lot quicker, right? I mean, they expire a lot quicker. They're, they're only u- useful for uh, a limited amount of time, whereas these have more, you know, quote, quality, where they kind of last as long as the cardboard does. Right. The, uh, theoretically. Legacy,
1: Legacy is like a pair of shoes that you buy from Nordstrom's, and um, Standard is like a pair of shoes you buy from Walmart.
0: I, I can see that analogy. I
1: would say that like the cost of cards isn't that bad. I mean, especially when you compare it to standard these days. I mean Stoneforge misses like a twenty five dollar card. You can always trade twenty five dollar cards, like two twenty five dollar cards for a fifty dollar card, and then trade two fifty dollar cards for a hundred dollar card. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it, there's there's some very simple ways of just trading up into better and better cards um to get the cards that you need that happen to, you know, carry a heavier price tag than others. Um but, like, again, you know, like we used to say on YoMTG Taps, uh, stop bitching, start brewing, you know? And uh, play- I started building legacy decks about a month ago, right? And um, had nothing. You know what I mean? Like, I sold every Legacy piece because I had this big, I'm never going to play Legacy kick going on, you know? So I sold every, like, Legacy staple I owned. And so then I was, you know, I got to a point where I wanted to play, and I was like, oh, crap, now I got to start back from square one.
0: Yeah, I know. I We were just saying, you know, I was just complaining that i had to order snuff outs which i'm sure i had they're common for mercadian masks, and i had bought so much mercadian masks but the the consolation i have is that um i donated a chunk of cards to games for troops and so that's where those snuff outs went so at least i feel like i gave them to a good cause and i didn't just like dump them somewhere you know Right, but yeah, I I wasn't. I I thought I went through and pulled out anything that was like legacy playable, but it, I, my knowledge of what was legacy playable at the time was not as, uh, you know, not as thorough. I guess another thing, and and I mentioned it a few minutes ago, was about uh, getting into legacy on Magic Online. Um, This is something that is a whole different concept than getting to it in paper. Cards that are very scarce and thus expensive in paper are nowhere near as expensive online. Do you know how much Candelabra of Taunos is in paper, Joe? Uh,
1: two hundred and forty-nine ninety-nine.
0: Do you know how much it is online? No. Like four dollars.
1: <laughs> really?
0: <laughs> yeah. That's so, awesome. Uh, it is. It's pretty crazy. So it's uh, ridiculous. It's it's a matter of scarcity. You know, there. It's it's not really.
1: You're not kidding, right?
0: No, I'm not kidding. It's like four bucks. I almost bought some, but then I, That's insane. I didn't. I was building, um, I was getting the cards for like Team America and Counterbalance, and I was like, ah, I'm spending enough money right now. I don't want to buy another deck because the time spirals are still around the same price, roughly. You know, they're still, maybe they're like 20 bucks or something, and it's still a matter of, you know, I didn't want to spend that much money because I, I really do like the High Tide deck a lot, but. Um, you know, it's something that I may still pursue because it does look like fun. But I just at at the time I was like more I was prioritizing which decks I was getting, and Team America and Counterbalance were the uh, the priorities. So, um, the other thing is the dual lands. I mean, how much is an Underground Sea Revised?
1: Underground Sea Revised is about hundred bucks. Actually, on Star City, they're sold at one twenty.
0: Yeah. So, uh, you know how much they are online. About nineteen dollars. <laughs> so it's quite a difference. So, uh, I mean, and there is wow. The, yeah there there are some uh, some reverse discrepancies there. Like force of will is how much in paper.
1: Uh, I think I think up to seventy
0: five at this point. Okay, they're closer to like a hundred, a hundred and ten online because they're very they're rarer, more rare, rarer, rarer. So. The other thing, though, is they have two pre-cons available on Moto: Exiler and Bolt Slinger. So if you want to get into Legacy, those are both Legacy precons. They're 30 bucks. They come with, this is kind of cool, Exiler comes with three Stoneforge Mystics. So if you've already got like a better card to play in Standard, uh, three copies of it right out of the yeah, pre-con. The, uh, the other cool thing is you on moto you only need four copies of anything and you don't need to feel like you need to switch them between decks you're not like i need eight jaces because i have two decks with four of them in there as long as you have four you can put that four into as many decks as you like um and of course the shuffling and random discard things are instantaneous right right the the rule rules text is uh is updated on the cards you know you're not like somebody's not playing something that's from beta or you know Arabian Nights, and you're like, what does that do? And you're trying to understand it from the text on the card, and you got to call a judge and say, what's the rules text on this? Yeah, it's actually updated on Moto. And uh, another thing is that there is a new Moto client coming soon, uh, maybe in the next few months or sometime this year. And from what I could see, it looks pretty similar to what Evan Irwin previewed on The Magic Show uh, back in 2009. Um, it's episode number 164 from uh, November 5th, 2009. So it's uh, you know quite a while ago, where we kind of got this preview that that Evan basically was uh, privy to at Pro Tour Austin back in <laughs> uh, October 2009. Um, and it just looks incredible the the way the the graphics move. The it's like vector based graphics. Uh, just it looks visually so much better than the current Magic Online. So we're supposed to get a new client, and the screenshots we've seen, I, I match them up, and they look, I mean, I would say 99% uh, the same. So if if this new client that we're getting is what Evan previewed, I'm going to be really, really excited.
1: Yeah, that um, sounds awesome. So
0: that's another reason. I mean, honestly, that's another reason why I'm taking the plunge into legacy because I do see magic online as having a brighter future than, than it has right now. You know, like it is a little bit clunky right now. There are quirky things like, how does this work? I don't, I don't understand, you know, this, this is awkward. The, the user interface is a little bit awkward. Actually, it's kind of a lot awkward, but <laughs> um, I know that it can only really get better. Like I, I have confidence that they are working on making this, you know, as good as it can be, because really, like, it's such a cash cow for them. They don't have to produce paper cards. Absolutely. So I'm sure that they're very much interested in making this as great as it could possibly be. So that's one of my other justifications for getting into Moto and especially Legacy, because I know Legacy doesn't rotate. So it's not like getting into Standard on Moto, where I'm like, okay, so by the time they update it to what, it's going to be like this, you know, great version. Oh, all these standard cards I have rotated. <laughs> you know what I mean? So it's even better to try to get into legacy on Moto uh, if that's something that you're interested in. Even if you do it little by little, like go in there and buy the uh, buy the Exiler precon. It's got like Caracas in it. It's got Swords to Plowshares. It's got Ether vials in it. Um, yeah, it's like thirty yeah. bucks. You get all these cool legacy cards.
1: Yeah, yeah it seems it seems ridiculous.
0: You know, get get these uh, precons now, or one of them, and then in a month or two, maybe grab a couple other cards that you're interested in when you have some extra money. Go on there and just play for fun, and then you build up a collection, just little by little. There's no rush, especially if you're getting into Legacy. You know what I mean? Like, the the only real time constraint is based on the prices of the cards. So maybe if more and more people are getting into Legacy and the value uh, increases due to demand increasing, that, that could be something to consider. But... Uh, it's just, just some thoughts, and if you want to read, like, a really awesome article about it, uh, I'm going to put a link in the show notes, but Sam Stoddard wrote uh, an article on the free side of Star City last week called A Foray into Online Legacy, which goes over a lot of the, the differences and the benefits of entering into playing Legacy on Magic Online. I'm also going to link the Magic Show episode from uh, from November
1: 2009. Cool.
0: So all right so here's another topic that uh that I wanted to talk about. Um and I brought it up on Twitter and we had a lot of responses for it. Uh is extended. So like what's the deal with extended right now? It's the PTQ format. I haven't played a game of new extended. Have you? Uh yes. How, how many Actually, how, how, how much new extended have you played?
1: <clears throat> I played um we basically did like a small tournament and like Played like basically three rounds in the top four, so.
0: So that's your the extent of your experience with new extended. Yeah, I mean, the reason I haven't played is because I just have absolutely no desire to, you know. And 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 I think I brought this up, when however many episodes ago, when I jokingly said it was like a, you know, like having a time machine, and you're like you get off work and you hop in your time machine and go back to lunchtime. You know, it's like lunchtime's great and all, but it's only exciting for lunchtime and then you got to go back to work and it's you know I'm at work again kind of thing and and I feel like that's how extended feels like at first it's like ooh cool this is a whole new format oh it's the same format we were just playing you know if uh it just doesn't seem interesting it people jokingly called it double standard and it really does feel like double standard like these are the decks we just were playing with and this is an opinion that uh that I shared before I still feel that way, and so I decided to ask some people on Twitter. Um, the general opinion of extended before they uh, they chopped it in half was that players either don't have any interest in playing it or only have interest in playing it because they have to. I mean does that sound about right? How people felt about extended <clears throat> right before before the changes absolutely yep, so now that they've made these changes uh. The, the general opinion, I'm, I'm going to read you some of the uh, more interesting ones from Twitter, some some of the responses. Uh, Russell Tassaker says, Extended is nearly irrelevant to me. It's the format for one local paper tournament a year. The format seems to basically be double standard with second-tier brews, so I guess I'm not really a fan of it. Uh, Ross, who uh whose name I don't his last name I don't have, but his Twitter name is Bolt the Bird, he says, I don't like how small it is. It's also irrelevant eight out of twelve months. It's not deep like legacy, nor fun like EDH. Richard Vaughn from, uh, who, who used to do the Fallout Shelter podcast. That was a, it was a Versus podcast. He also had a World of Warcraft podcast and he, uh, he dabbled in magic podcasting. He actually had Patrick Chapin on a couple of episodes. Um, he said that he hasn't liked Extended since 1998. It's a three month format that no one really cares about unless a PT is attached to it. Um, John Johnson said, I mean, let's be honest. Who even liked Extended to begin with? We only played it because of the PTQs. Right. Uh, Luis Gonzalez says, Extended has always been my favorite format, and today it's lost this place. Now Standard is first, Legacy is second, and Extended is third. Um, 13 Goats likes the old version way more. The bigger card pool made, it f- made more fun decks. This one feels less interesting when I spend the Standard seasons looking at the same cards. Old Extended had a fresh feel, which is interesting to hear that, you know, like... The, I mean, I have some more comments here, but everybody's kind of saying a lot of the same things. Um, this was one that I really liked. James Clark said, it feels like extended is filling a hole that isn't there. It's too short to bridge standard and legacy, which was the intent, right? It's filling a hole that's not there. It's like if you want to play recent cards, you play standard. If you want to play old cards, you play legacy. And this isn't – there's like nothing in the middle because the format's kind of too small. Hmm. Um, Charlotte Sable says something very similar. She says, uh, Extended will never be a loved format like Standard or Legacy because it doesn't bridge the gap between them well enough. Very very similar. Uh, The four-year length is too short to allow much beyond old Standard decks. Anyone with the resources to play a longer format is generally going to prefer Legacy. And then uh, Sam Stoddard, fellow Star City writer, uh, says, I'm interested to see what a year without fairies brings, but right now he ranks it fourth behind Limited, Legacy, and Standard. Uh, he thinks the issue is that legacy has taken over the mind space that old extended filled. That's in large part due to the, due to the fact that a lot of newer cards see play in legacy. I've just got four more here. Carl Wilt, who actually, uh, he wrote quite a bit. He said, but I I liked it. So that's, uh, he actually emailed it to me and I I chopped down some of his email too, just to, to pare it down. But he says, I always felt, personally, that the seven-year rotation for Extended was perfect. I got a lot of use out of the cards I bought, and with so many sets, there were a lot of new interactions and new deck ideas in the format. At that time, in fact, Extended was by far my favorite format. Whereas the previous Extended seemed to have a significant amount of innovation, new deck types, etc., it just feels that this current Extended is lacking in that area. It's essentially standard of years past, plus-minus a handful of cards. It's Fairies, John, Bant, Mythic, Elves, etc. I'm not saying there's no innovation at all. There is, but in much smaller doses, and it's nowhere near as unique as the old Extended. It also doesn't feel powerful enough. Excluding the Bane of Affinity, when was the last time someone could take essentially a stock standard deck into an Extended PTQ and do well? Callblade has made the jump to Extended. Uh... I thought that was very well put and mirrors a lot of the comments I'm getting. Bryce Menard says, if I wanted to play against a bunch of standard decks, I'd play standard. (laughs) It just doesn't feel like extended. Um, Yeah. Now, now out of all these comments, we... We have two people who like Extended, and I didn't even read you all the comments I got, but uh, I'm reading you all of the I'm happy with Extended comments, which is two. Matthew Gavilano says, Extended has the perfect size card pool in my honest opinion, but then again I started playing around lore one block, so I might be biased due to my card collection and then David Campano says I really like extended but that's because I started playing magic when Lorwyn came out so there's a huge <laughs> nostalgia factor so both of those guys that say they like extended are actually citing the fact that it it touches their entire collection which is why they like it you know which may be why they like it and that's that's a great example of the kind of person who would like extended when it or would like a format that touches their entire collection right Right. I think that's really interesting. I mean, for me, I'm excited to play Legacy because, hey, I can play w- with these revised cards like when I used to play in, you know, 1995. I can right. play with my 4th edition Sylvan Library or, or is it Chronicles? I don't even know, <laughs> know what it is. 4th uh, edition. 4th edition, okay. My 4th edition Sylvan Library that I literally have had since I pulled it from a pack in 1995. It's just one of those cards I never got rid of, never traded away. Never traded for more, and so like,
1: <laughs> uh,
0: uh, Team America plays Sylvan Library. I get to play this again. Like it's a nostalgia thing, right? So, yeah. Uh, you know, it, it's really kind of interesting. They're they're citing the same reason, except for them, the nostalgia only goes back to the Lorwyn. Um, there are a couple. Uh, there was a suggested fix to the format, which uh, which was interesting. Just. Real quick, we have Chris Otwell. He said the fix and the podcast topic of mine on the back burner uh, to extended is to expand extended to masks from, from Mercadian masks to the present and extend standard to three years. One of extendeds stated goals was to keep current cards worth more for longer for newer players three year, three year standard does so he 's kind of saying basically this kind of overextended that people have been talking about the uh, you know the the fixed legacy format that people have said basically based off of uh, the reserved list now the reserved list doesn't have any cards on it from Mercadian Masks to the present and so people say well let's make a format that's Mercadian Masks to the present so that wizards can reprint cards from those formats in whatever capacity they desire uh, so that nothing gets out of hand due to like scarcity issues um, That's that's one of the big suggestions for a format. So he's saying he thinks extended should be that he thinks extended instead of being double standard, it should be extended, And then he thinks that standard should kind of, uh, compensate to fill the role that extended that current extended fills now in it, keep it keeping the standard cards legal for a little bit longer. Um, Sam Stoddard says that three years for standard seems like it wouldn 't drive card sales like it does now. Standard drives new sales, older formats keep the value up so you can justify spending money so that was his response to it. but I thought those were some interesting uh, interesting comments about it so now you were you were talking about this you were talking about your excitement for uh, for extended at first
1: yeah when uh- when, you know, they first announced the new Extended, I, I thought it was a really awesome idea. I thought it was a really cool way to, uh you know, maybe to get a little more mileage out of your standard decks. uh, Maybe to, uh you know, revisit a couple old themes like Jund and Fairies and things like that that, like, you might have liked playing before. You know what I mean? You were, you know... A huge fan of fairies. I was. You know what I mean? Like, we're a huge fan of that deck. Um, Which is why, like, I was so numb to it. Everyone, like, was talking about it as such a boogeyman deck, and I was always like, well, that's all I played against for a year. I don't know. I mean, like, (laughs) I was pretty cool with it. Like, I didn't care. Like,
0: yeah, it's funny because I think that's what other people were complaining about. That's all I played against for a year. (laughs) You know? (laughs) That's why I don't want to play against it. But for you, I guess you had uh, built up a tolerance. I
1: did. I, I was immune to it. Uh, I wasn't immune to, you know, the deck, but I was immune to, like, you know, Bing. the frustration of playing against it. Right. Um. But then, like, once it actually started happening, and you know what I think the biggest, honestly, like, you know what I think the biggest problem with Extended is right now? Like, or why people are just, like, feeling like it's such a, like, redundancy to a standard? What's that? Stoneforge Mystic.
0: You think because it translated into uh, because Callblade jumped to Extended?
1: I just feel like Stoneforge Mystic is just like in, has taken over like every format right now. Not, not, not legacy. You know what I mean? I think
0: it like, appeared in in some legacy decks. I don't know. No it's,
1: uh... no, it's in legacy, but fair game. You know what I mean? Like yeah. everything's pretty much fair game in legacy. Um,
0: yeah. It's not te- taking over the format, you mean?
1: Right. It's a testament to its power that it shows up in some legacy decks. Right. Um, but I, but it's just dominating standard and extended right now, you know, like it's just to the point where it's just not fun. Like, I just want to play legacy right now. That's all I want to do. Like, I have no interest in standard or extended right now. Like, um, I just want to see different decks every round.
0: (laughs) Right. I mean, and, and that's kind of. The, one of the issues with Extended is it almost just feels like, hey, let's take you know the stale standard that just rotated. Let's play with those. And then as soon as uh, the current standard gets a little bit stale, we can have a format of a whole bunch of stale decks. <laughs> that's, right. That's what it's like. Um, now, interestingly, the, uh, the guys over on Channel Fireball, uh, Tristan, Sean Gregson, and, and LSV did a Magic TV with uh, the topic being Extended. Um, LSV, here's a quote. Extended sucks. They should just kill it. Uh, he was sort of joking, but that is how he started his uh, <laughs> his comments about it. Um, he said extended is typically a format that he's done well and enjoyed. Uh, he's done well in, and he's in, he enjoys the format, but it's still, it's not succeeding. Uh, Mod- Moto PTQs are only seven to eight rounds, 100 to 150 people, wh- whereas Scars Sealed had 400 plus people. They were like capped at 512. So... Even on Moto, like, Extended is not nearly as popular as even Scars Sealed. And he says, before Callblade made the jump to Extended, the most popular Extended decks were Jund and Fairies, two of the most hated decks in the past few years. So, it's kind of like, hey, want to play with these stale decks again? (laughs) You know, Uh, the biggest problem, and this is... uh, I'm not sure if this is LSV or Tristan or a mixture of both. These are just my notes. Uh, it's never going to be different enough from standard. There's basically two versions of standard right now. One just has way more support being the actual standard. Uh, anyone really interested will just probably play standard. And if you have the cards to, ext- to play extended, you have the cards to play standard. And it's much easier to find a standard tournament. Right. So, uh, here's, uh, so, so basically looking back you know, at the beginning... Uh, the general opinion before the format changes were uh, was that players either don't have any interest in playing it or they only have interest because they have to. So now after the format changes, the general consensus is players don't have any interest in playing it or only have interest because they have to. <laughs> like, they have not solved anything. Uh, it's, right. It's, it's interesting. Like, it's, it's really literally not it's, – it's not really changed anything. Such a huge – chop, you know, a huge, uh, you'd think it would have a huge impact cutting a format in half, but in the minds of the players, it seems to have had zero impact.
1: Right. Yeah. I mean, it seemed like it was going to, you know, to be successful in that regard, but it failed miserably. Yeah. It's, it's a shame. Yeah. That's exactly what I was going to say. I was going (laughs) to say it's, it's, it's a damn shame. It really is. Um, but uh, you know, you live and learn. You know, you, not every experiment works. Not every pilot gets picked up. You know that's what I mean? True. Yeah. <laughs> so like, uh, you just got to keep plugging away, I guess. And I mean, hopefully they'll come up with a solution. And um, whoever's so, who, solution did you say that was? Uh, with the adding the extra year to standard and then making the overextended format.
0: That was uh, Chris Otwell.
1: Yeah. Well, that's a spot on idea. I like that. You know yeah, what I mean? It, like, it's,
0: uh, it makes things interesting. It makes. It makes a format and it, what it really does is it kind of makes extended into uh, closer to legacy than standard, right and I guess that's where the question is like do you want do you want this to be more like legacy or more like standard? If you make it more like standard, we've seen the results we we're seeing the results it's not It's not fun because it's the same same kind of stuff you're seeing in standard or just saw in standard like months ago. You know. Uh,
1: why don't they just axe it? Why don't they just axe extend it altogether and then just make the PTQ season uh like in February uh legacy?
0: I think because of card availability, it's too much uh it's too difficult to get those cards, get like a lot of legacy cards, I think.
1: Yeah, I know, so, yeah, know. you're right, because like, you know, it'd be impossible for them to have tournaments where like, you know, a hundred people show up every week uh for legacy.
0: Yeah, no, um, it's it's not that, but think about how much the Star City Open Series has already driven up legacy sales, and there's just there's only one happening every week, and it's moving around. If there were, like, think about how often PTQs happen, and how many are happening at the same time. Now, adding that to basically, you're multiplying the Open Series event by you know, I don't know how many the multiples of ten, right? Like, can you imagine what the prices of legacy cards would go to, or or the the card availability issues that may happen because of that. I, I think that they're just, I don't think they would ever do that. It just seems like uh, they'll do it for like a Pro Tour, I could see, or maybe a Grand Prix, but because that's one event and it's such a limited number of players. You know, like a Grand Prix is one thing. That's a lot of players, but it's one event. I don't think they would do that, but the opportunity to possibly make a format that ignores or that basically circumvents the reserved list by going, all right, it's Mercadian masks forward. Uh, now that's something where it, yes, there are older cards that are more scarce, but if that's an issue, wizards says, here's deck builders toolkit legacy or whatever deck deck builders toolkit extended or something like that where they just release a, a chunk of cards i mean i don't know if that's what they would do but you know it's it's possible they could they are allowed to reprint these i mean how right. awesome would it be to go you know here's a deck De- deck builders toolkit extended edition or something that maybe it wouldn't be available in like every target and Walmart that you go into, but maybe it would be available at hobby shops to like put up right next to the other deck builder toolkit. And you can, that way people can say like this, this is for an older format or something like that. Uh, I mean, I, I don't know how realistic that is and that's just something that popped off, off the top of my head. But the point is that they would be able to reprint cards if there was some sort of scarcity issue.
1: Sure. Now, you you know, the the, the problem with that is that you could run into, like, the Yu-Gi-Oh! problem, where, like, they just re-released a whole bunch of, like, rare cards as, like, commons, and, like... The value tanked. And, like, the value of, like, all these, like, cards just went through the, you know, went through the floor.
0: Yeah, well, a couple things with that... Uh, I, one, I don't think Wizards would do it. I think they would be very careful about what they did exactly. No, I know I just said they might do something like that, but I think they would do it in a way that wouldn't have such a drastic effect on the cards. The other thing to consider is that they are uh, they are only doing this to cards post-reserved list, and so it's not not going to tank the values of cards like the revised duels or you know all these alpha beta duels or these rever- reserved list cards that are uh, you know that. Have a lot of value because they're in legacy. Now, yes, it may you know if they release from the vault counter spells and put Force of Will in there, I think the the value of Force of Will will be affected. But how much? How much did uh, Mox Diamond affect the value of its counterpart? Uh, A little bit
1: at first, but not much.
0: Yeah, right. In the end, it it's not a big chunk. Now, you know, I'm willing. uh, I'm willing to say I'll take a hit. I'll take a ten to twenty percent. Value hit on my collection, if that means that the format is now way more supported. You know Honestly, what I
1: mean? like what I said to the, I said to the dealers in Fort Worth, um, I said, you know, I was like, frankly, I don't care if I pay a hundred dollars each for a set of Underground Seas, and then the next day they announce that they're like re-releasing them as Commons.
0: <laughs> I think I might care a little bit, but it is what is, it is, though. Right. I mean, no, like no, you're right. Is, like, I'm sorry, like, go ahead.
1: Like, at that time, that was the price for those cards, and you pay it. You know what I mean? Like, if something happened like that, it would really suck, but then you would be ensuring that, like, those cards that you have, you'd be able to play forever because then everybody would have them.
0: Right, now, you, here, what I mean? you, you brought up a topic. This came up on Twitter last night. The The topic of overextended and legacy and extended and things kind of came up on Twitter with uh, Aaron Forsyth. Uh, there was Gavin Verhey was talking about it. Um, and basically a ton of people. Chapin had a couple comments in there, and, uh, Evan Irwin, and anyway, it was a big kind of conversation on Twitter going back and forth about it, and, uh, Lauren Lee said something about why don't we just take legacy and ban the reserved list, and, uh, you know, and that would, that would make, that would make make you kind of basically be able to, Reprint anything else from you know, Legacy would no longer have any cards from the reserved list. So she's kind of saying, instead of Mercadian Masks forward uh, for this overextended, why not take Legacy, ban the reserved list, and now everything legal in Legacy is up for reprinting? Um, I said I would be furious at that idea because I just got <laughs> dual Lands, and but uh, you know my comment to Aaron Forsyth was. I would rather see them print snow-covered dual lands, like snow-covered tundra, and it's the exact same thing except it's a snow-covered pl- plains island, right? It's, it, it's basically a functional reprint except it's snow-covered, right? I'd rather see them print those which would you know, hugely impact the value of the original tundra. Sure. But, so I'd rather see my, the, the value of my cards take a hit and still be able to play them than not be able to play them at all.
1: Exactly. That's what I mean about the underground scene. Exactly. Yeah. I know
0: that that's why I brought this up. I yeah, can, definitely. Can so um, I actually I think that was Aaron Forsyth was uh you know, was making a conversation starter. I think he was the one that said, What what if we just banned the reserved list from legacy? Um, and he said later, you know, he is not at all seriously considering doing that, but it was just a just some thoughts, you know, he was throwing it out there. So it was an interesting kind of conversation, but, um, you know, just, just some thoughts. And, and the deal is right now that extended is just absolutely not popular. Uh, people, some people that play it like it. LSV said he likes it. I've heard Kibler say he likes it, but, uh, nobody's really interested in it.
1: If I'm not interested in it, then there's a big problem because I was a huge (laughs) advocate of the format from the beginning and you weren't, you know what I mean? And I was trying to be like, come on, Joe, you know, you can play fairies. You know what I mean? Like, like I was trying to like convince you that it was a fun format at the beginning. Yeah. And, uh, here we are at the end of it and I'm not convinced. So.
0: So we'll see what they do. I I mean, I think Wizards is very aware at the fact that it is not, it has not been a successful change. Now, I don't know how long they're going to keep it this way. Hopefully, they are brainstorming ideas to think, what what can we do next? And, you know, I hope it's more along the lines of, uh, you know, kind of old extended than, you know, this double standard kind of thing.
1: I think if they are brainstorming ideas, uh, this four-year rotation is one that gets shuffled away with a fetch land.
0: So, uh, I think that's everything for this week. Um, We can move on to some upcoming events. Coming up this weekend... April 2nd and 3rd, we have the Star City Games Open Series coming to Atlanta. We have Gavin Verhey and Adrian Sullivan doing the coverage for SCG Live. Uh, Next weekend is Grand Prix Dallas, Uh, probably Grand Prix Dallas-Fort Worth, considering it's in the same exact convention center (laughs) as the uh, Star City event was a few weeks ago. Um, And that's April 9th and 10th. Uh, The Regional Nationals qualifiers are coming up on April 16th. Uh, April 23rd and 24th is Star City Games Open Series in Boston, and I will be there with Adrian Sullivan doing coverage for scg live and that same weekend is uh grand prix kobe which is extended and it's april 23rd and 24th again so we'll see if uh if that has any kind of innovation happening oh by the way uh, grand prix dallas next weekend is standard so we'll we'll be able to compare uh the the metagame from barcelona to dallas and see if maybe is it a u.s thing that's so dominated by callblade or is it just the Star City events that are so dominated by Callblade. You know what I mean? Our entire metagame, our perception of the metagame is entirely from these Star City events. Really. Yeah. I mean, because they're the biggest tournaments happening most frequently.
1: uh, I mean, they're the best snapshot of it in any given city, you know? Um, I thought it was really interesting to learn that there were like... I never really realized this, but when I was in Fort Worth, they were explaining that they're, like, regional metagames. And, like, yeah, every, I, everyone knows when they go to play in Texas to pack their, like, pyroblasts and stuff like that because people will be packing burn. Yeah, and, and, would it be hydro
0: hydroblast then? That's what I meant, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you were talking to Harrison uh, about that, Harrison Greenberg? Yeah, it was Harrison, yeah, yeah he's I, such, I was, such a dude. He, he's an awesome guy. He was on the Magic Cruise uh, when I was there. Mm. And, uh, yeah, he, um, I, I actually caught that part when you guys were talking about the regional metagame things, although I was watching, or I was listening, uh, on my iPhone while driving, and the connection kept cutting out, so I was catching bits and pieces. But, yeah, it's an interesting thing about how, like, the East Coast and the Northeast is very control oriented, and so I think is the West Coast. But, like, for whatever reason, like, Texas is very aggro, right? Is that the kind of right. thing you're saying?
1: Yeah. It's, really, it's, really, it's, a, it's a really cool concept to me. So, like, you know, we're catching these glimpses of the regional metagame while, you know, the, the, the cream still rises to the top, I guess, you know? Right.
0: And uh, Chapin was saying this about how uh, he's much more interested in innovating for a pro tour where he feels like he has a way bigger payoff for the, you know, for the work where, where basically he could completely fail uh, if he succeeds with that innovation, he, the payoff is much greater than succeeding with an innovation in a Star City event. You know what I mean? So that's why he was saying he thinks that there's more kind of uh, rogue deck building. I guess I keep using the word innovation, but I feel like that's, that's the applicable word. Uh, but at Pro Tours, at bigger right. events, So kind of an interesting uh, concept. So anyway, that said... We are unsleeved.
1: Yeah, and we and we've got a new wrap for our for our because oh, we can't
0: uh, use just... you don't want to use stop bitch and start brewing anymore. I guess can, can, you, want to, you want to replace that with this wrap.
1: Yeah, I think so. I think that's a good
0: idea. Alright, go for it.
1: Yeah, we're unsleeved and we're a couple of fools, and you should know by now this is an April fools. Yeah. We are yo MTG Taps? Stop bitching start brewing.